I'm Derek Thompson, the host of The Ringer podcast, Plain English. Look, a lot of news these days is kind of nonsense. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to ask the questions that matter from people who know more than I do about everything I'm curious about. And that's most things. Recession fears, AI hyperbole, psychology, productivity, China, war, streaming, movies, sports, you name it. The world without jargon. The news without bias. Plain English with Derek Thompson. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my opinion! He will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of it. Go to sleep! Go to sleep! Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Who gonna check me, boo? Welcome to Morally Corrupt, a show here on the Ringer Reality Feed. I'm Rachel Lindsay. He's Zach Peter. I, it feels so good to be back. Zach, like, I have missed you guys. I know. It's been so long. You're back. And, like, what a week to come back. The content and the news this week. Rachel. <sighs> it's, it's almost like they waited. They said, you know what? Rachel's on a two-week vacation. Let's go ahead and let her enjoy that and not be distracted. Because I tried. I tried to watch Bravo. I know there's a way you can watch. I'm just not sure. I didn't know. And it's probably good because I needed to just relax and release. But I'm back just in time. I am caught up on everything that's going on. And there's a lot. We're going to get into the news of the week. We're also going to recap OC and Southern Charm. Gosh, so many shows are back right now. Bravo's really just giving it to us for the fall. Okay, I know I've said this before, but this is one of those, where were you when? And I just want to also preface this by saying, we are not making light of this situation. I'm not, it's not a joking situation. Obviously, you know, I'm talking about Shannon's DUI. Drunk driving is a serious offense or... uh, it could, I'm, I'm assuming it's alcohol. I'm saying drug driving. It's, it was under the influence. So it could have been under the influence of anything. So I don't want to make it seem like we're making light of this conversation, but we got to talk about it. Zach, where were you when you got the information that Shannon not only got a DUI, but got it because she ran her car. It was a hit and run. She ran it into a Newport Beach home, then drove off. I mean, 
first the news hits, right? That it's a DUI. And it's like, oh, wow, DUI. But like, I mean, we've, we've all been there. We've seen Luann in the backseat, you know, threatening, you know, the cop. And we've seen, you know, all the mugshots of all the housewives. So I was like, okay, here we go. Add it to, you know, Mount Rushmore of, of headshot of uh, mugshots. And then next thing you know it, we get the TMZ video and you see her just ripping down the street. Like she's in Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, crashes into the car. And she crashes into the building and then it's like, oops, and like backs up, keeps going. And then you find out that she drives down the street, parks her car in the middle of the street, and then is found by authorities pretending that she was just walking her dog. I mean, I think she probably was like just driving and then she's like, oops, I forgot to take Archie for a walk today. Let me go right now and take, he, Archie needs to go potty. Poor Archie has whiplash and he has no idea what's going on. I, it's, it is, it actually, the fact that she does have a dog, the way she whipped around that corner, the fact she had a dog in the car, it's a miracle that that dog wasn't harmed because she, I mean, I would imagine that he wasn't strapped in. So he's flew, I'm sure when she, and then jolted when she hit that building. I mean, it was like a, a, a concrete building and then drove off. And it's, I, I read that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that she was at a restaurant before and she was like five minutes down the road from this restaurant. So it's like she wasn't alone. I just wonder what it's, it's like just so many questions. What state was she in? Were her friends concerned? Or is she one of those people who can play had who can play it off like she's totally fine, but she's really not, you know, she obviously doesn't have it all there. Did her friends try to stop her? Did I mean like did they suspect it? I, I have no idea. We do know that prior to the accident that she had spent the, like I said, spent, been with friends at the restaurant, but that later on was supposedly heard by neighbors arguing loudly with her ex, John Jansen. I think she was having some drinks with her girlfriends. That's when she was overheard trash talking Alexis Bellino because they're both at the same restaurant. Then Alexis is like, I don't know why she's mad at me. Maybe she should talk to a therapist about that. And so then she goes to her therapist, John Jansen, and then gets into an argument. And I think they have a situation shift, right? Where they hook up and they see each other, but he still has a you don't spend the night rule, you know? come and go rule. And that's just how he flows. And she's fine with that because she doesn't want to be lonely. And we've all had a John Jansen in our life. Trust me, that's my type. And so I feel like she was like, all right, Archie and I got to go. They probably did get into some sort of argument. And he was probably like, all right, like, I just want to sleep good tonight. So get out. And so she peaced out. I don't think he gave a shit. I think he was just like, I think that's why we see them hanging out now is because probably he feels a little guilty for letting her leave that night without stopping her, knowing maybe she wasn't in the best condition. Because as the ladies revealed, she they drink like a bottle of tequila together. Like they can, they can rip into it. I mean, I don't want to say you saw this coming, but if you've been a fan of Orange County since Shannon has been on the show, which has been years, there have always been housewives that allude to Shannon having a, a drinking problem or have flat out said Shannon has a drinking problem. They've talked about how like she wakes up in the morning drinking, how she's called them 
drunk um, and can't remember what she said. That's happened on this season. You know, Tamara, when Tamara was on, she would always say, Shannon's always calling me. She's, you know, she's drinking. So we knew there was something there, but Shannon has always denied it. She's always denied that she had any sort of problem. And as Devin just pointed out, her current tagline is literally about tequila. The clues were there, and it was always referenced or uh, alluded to the fact that she drinks a lot. So it's not the most shocking thing, but it is really bad. I have to say, watching that video and seeing the way she whipped around that corner, she jumped a curb. So it's actually a miracle that somebody wasn't walking by. There wasn't an animal there. There wasn't another car. The way she hit the building, it wasn't into a window or a door. You know, it's it's it could have been it's bad, but it really could have been so much worse. Um and it's also interesting too that I mean there's just so many ways to talk about this. She, the story, a storyline on this season as well has been her talking about Gina and all the things she did for Gina when Gina had her DUI. Gina wasn't a hit and run, but it was a DUI and how she helped her find her lawyer who actually is the same lawyer who's representing her now in a, in a full circle moment in this, in this situation. So it's interesting that they were, this was a topic of conversation and now Shannon finds herself and not a similar situation, a worse situation. A worse situation, yeah. Ooh, I mean, I'm sure more details are going to come out after this. And of course, you know, we'll cover it here on the podcast and, um, you know, keep everybody aware of what's going on. But, you know, I hope, I hope Shannon gets the help that she needs. There's clearly things that are happening in Shannon's personal life that are leading her to drink excessively. and John Jansen, that's the thing in her life that's helping to get John Jansen. He is toxic. We need to get rid of John Jansen. That is very true. We've Now that things have been revealed about the nature of their relationship. Um, and also, like, her one daughter's gone. I think her other daughters were overseas. Like, she just... I just hope Shannon gets what she needs, and I hope she is surrounding herself with people that care about her because she clearly needs some help. She needs some help. Um, okay. And that leads us into OC. Uh, we're almost at the end because at the end of this episode, they were like in the season finale. And I was like, geez, I feel like this has been a really short season. I like when the seasons are short, though, because then there's not a bunch of filler. Like, the season has been good because it's consistently, you know, given us something each episode. And it's interesting you say that because it has given us something each episode, even though it's been the same fights and stories. There's still a little bit of nuance in each episode to make it even more interesting. And I got really lost in who said what and who's mad at who and where the anger is coming from. I like couldn't keep up. I felt like I needed a diagram. Okay, no, Shanna said this. No, Tamron said this. No, it came from Heather. Oh, wait, it wasn't in OC. It was in Vegas. I I, I totally was confused. Um, okay, let's get into it. So the ladies are in Riviera Maya, which I have to, I keep saying Puerto Vallarta in my head because that is where they typically go. But the fact that we haven't seen Andales, this um, trip, 
I'm like, okay, they're not there because we would see Vicky whooping it up, standing on top of the bar at Andale's. Uh, so they're in Riviera Maya. They're having a good time. Kind of. <laughs> not everybody's having a good time. Um, they split the ladies up, which I have to say I'm a fan of. I like when the girls take trips and they split up because I feel like it brings, it puts a wedge in the group and drama breeds from that. And I like that. When they're all together, only at a dinner table do I enjoy it. But this, I'm like, okay, they split up. They're picking their sides, specifically with the women of OC. This was like a line drawn in the sand. Jen, Tamara, Heather, Whoever else. I don't know. Everybody's mad at Heather. Basically, the the t- the tagline of the episode is that everybody hates Heather Dubrow. She could do nothing right. And you're a Heather Dubrow defender. So I'm very curious where you land on this one. They're all haters. Haters. Well, I will agree with you a little bit. Jealous haters because she has money and she's fancy. Well, she is condescending. and And you can't deny that. No, you can't deny it. I can't. Yeah. And the fact that she has money makes it even worse. That's it. It makes it stand out even more. And people are quick to say it. But Heather is condescending. And as Tamara said earlier this season, you just know that about your friend and you move on. Right. She's a little condescending. She still has a good heart. You just move on. But the ladies are kind of also riled up a bit because in last week's episode, we saw Vicky basically just... Jump in, head dive in head first in regards to the Jen and Ryan drama. And they're coming off of that. Now, I have to say, I miss Vicky. I have always said Vicky should still be on the show. And I'm curious for you. Oh, Zach is shaking his head. You cannot tell me that the addition to Vicky on this trip has not been chef's kiss. You know, the last, she hasn't been on in a in a few years, but when towards the end, she started to loosen up. She talked about sex and men and she wasn't as prude. And now that we have just this unleashed, unhinged Vicky, she is amazing for TV. You can't tell me we don't need her back. No, I don't think she needs to come back in a full-time capacity. I think she's a great friend of. I think if we get her like personal storylines, I'm not that invested. I don't need to hear about her Kodo insurance anymore. Um, but like, which I, I love that when they were taking her to her happy her happy place, it was her her office, her insurance office. Um, no, I think she's a great friend of. Bring her in in doses to stir the pot, to take some shots, to whoop it up. I think she's a good friend of. I don't think we need her back full-time, though. Well, it sounds like there's going to be an opening because Heather Dubrow declared in this episode that she is done with the show. Heather's not going anywhere. Um, Vicky was doing the Lord's work, though. Vicky didn't stop it the night before. She came in again, butting her note, I mean, butting her way into Jen and Ryan's relationship, which... Are you tired of hearing about it? I'm not I'm not tired of hearing about it. I think I I want I want Jen and we did see her do this last episode. I want Jen to really just speak on it. Just give us yeah, just have a moment, give it yeah, just give it to us. Like or just like really hold cuz she keeps having these breakdowns and these meltdowns like, you know, one on one 
but like I want her to really have it out with Tamara and be, and call Tamara out for like not being a good friend. Yeah, but I feel like something's missing from the story. This this I again need a diagram of. Okay, so wait, he's y'all were on a break and he slept with someone, but then he was sleeping with someone for a year. You left your husband, but you loved being married, and your husband didn't fulfill you, but you weren't a good wife, and you feel guilty about everything. But like your, I, I, it's something is missing from the storyline, and I need the husband to step in. I really hope Jen's mother would have would have given us some more insight, but she didn't. But we know that Jen's family still loves him. So I I don't know. Something is missing from the story and I pray it comes out in the reunion because I'm a little, I'm just like not, I feel like I want to keep talking about it because I just feel like we're not getting enough from it. So maybe that'll come out in the reunion. I don't know. I hope so. Because Taylor Armstrong told us this is going to be the dirtiest reunion you have ever seen, baby. Here's your orange. Maybe you should watch me on entertainment tonight. Pay more attention to the news. That was an amazing shout out for entertainment tonight. <laughs> that was an amazing yeah. shout out. Um, so it is the last day in Mexico and we see the ladies split up. They go to a shaman, um, which you think would bring a lot of healing and would they would release a lot of this negative energy. But it seemed to just rile the women up. But in true Tamara fashion, we see Tamara once again apologize to Jen for what she did the day before where she was screaming at her about her relationship with Ryan. This is where I need Jen to say something. Like, how many times can Tamara strip you down? Like, just really just bring you to your knees and then just apologize like it's nothing. We've literally seen her do this five times this season. Again, we just need Jen to really lay into Tamara for being a bad friend and just, you know, be done with this, that Gina can eat her chicken wings. <laughs> so she can, As a chicken wing um, enthusiast, I totally understand this. I totally love, other than my pork chops, I love a good chicken wing. <laughs> so I understand, I totally understand this. Um, so I guess all is good, at least for today, when it comes to Jen and Tamara. But it's not good for Heather Dubrow. Oh, Heather. They need to leave her alone, jealous, 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 jealous haters. We know that the women have kind of been talking about Heather Dubrow behind her back in regards to something that Heather told Gina and Emily that either Shannon or Tamara said we find out that it really was Tamara who said it, but Emily got it wrong and thought it was Shannon who said it. But that all comes to a head at the table, and they all just come at Heather. Now, I even felt that this was a little bit too much. I was even like, okay, guys, it's not making any sense. Emily, you got the information wrong. Heather's not the one who said this information. So why is Gina so mad at... Well, actually, that comes out later. They seem to be mad at Heather. Heather relayed this information that Tamara said to Gina and Emily, but they're, but Heather's getting blamed for it. Then when Tamara realizes, oh, Tamara's the one who actually was the one who said it, Tamara's like, well, Heather calls you guys fucking losers. And 
Then Tamara tells a story about her sitting at the table at Bravo and saying, oh my gosh, you're sitting with a bunch of fucking losers. I don't, Zach, did you make sense of this more? Because I was so lost. So my understanding is Heather was, Heather at some point did call the other girls losers. But Heather's like, I wasn't calling all of you guys losers. I was just calling Noella a loser. And then they also threw Dr. Jen in there as well because they put them up on the screen. So she was... Maybe she was referring to Dr. Jen. She says that the only loser was Noella, which we know she didn't like Noella. So Tamara was like, no, you didn't just call Noella a loser. You called all of them losers. And so when I came up to you and I told you that you're hanging out with a bunch of losers, I was saying it as a joke in jest because you've called them all losers. And that makes Gina cry. Yeah. And Heather's like, no, you were calling them losers. You used those words. And then Tamara's like, no, I wasn't calling them losers. I was calling them losers because you said that they were losers. And you know what? I think they both thought that they were all losers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you do think Heather DeBro said that about everybody? I mean, maybe not all of them, but I think Heather definitely is like, some of these ladies are kind of losers. Do you think she said it about Gina and Emily? Um... Maybe Emily, but not Gina. Because I feel like Gina's been nice to her. And Emily's kind of, you know, been a snuffleupagus lately. <gasps> you did not use that term to Emily. <laughs> Only because she's so offended by it. I'm like, oh my God. I don't think Heather meant it in like a... She was trying to be way. funny. And I think Heather has to come to grips with, she's not funny. There's, there's not a funny bone in Heather Dubrow's body. She's a lot of things, positive things, but funny is not one of them. Uh, look, Emily, these cookies look like your boobs. That's not funny. Heather's just not funny. And and I, I was it. not oh. bothered by the boob comment. I thought she was paying her a compliment. Like, you have nice boobs and this your boobs look like these perfect cookies. Not bothered. I wasn't bothered by it. I didn't think that was mean. I just think she's not funny. And I get it. So many people want to be funny, right? It's It's cool to be funny. But most of these women are not funny. And Heather is not funny. And she thought that was a joke. And that's what she keeps saying. She's like, it was a joke. But Heather, they're not funny. So you need to stop. Like She's like, the boob thing was a joke. But it wasn't funny. The branding thing that Emily said was actually a funny comment. Oh, I thought we were going to get branded. That was funny. But it, Heather didn't find it funny. Because Heather's not funny. I mean, she just couldn't find the humor in it. Anyways, um, so every it's a pile on when it comes to Heather. Vicky, for some reason, and this is what I mean, this is like great housewife work. Vicky's so out of it. Like, I'm assuming she's been drinking. That she is like, it's too much. I can't handle it. She walks away. She starts talking to... Um, the, the people working there. And then she's sitting at the bar sobbing by herself about how Taking toxic shots, everyone yeah. is. Like, it's that so is mean. It's I so toxic. See. I can't do it. And then I love the montage of her just being ruthless and toothless, just like ripping into everybody, screaming. And she's just like, I can't handle the toxicity. They're so mean. This is what I'm saying. This episode alone is what I would use as my resume to get back on the show. Like, Take it, send it to the the powers that be at Bravo and say, and this is why I need to come back. Amazing. But Heather gets frustrated and I totally get it. She should because Shannon also decides to pile in at this point. So everybody's saying something. The people who are on her side 
aren't standing up for her. So it's just too much. Heather gets up, she leaves, and she says she's done with the show. She also, on a mic rant, says she hates them all, which really makes me think that she did call them fucking losers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it if she was calling them all losers. I really wouldn't. She probably did and probably was just saying it. Like, well, I mean, come on. Mean like, even, even the fans call like Gina and Emily losers because they don't think that they fit into the show. Well, I didn't call them losers, but I. this is the first season that I've liked Emily. I have not liked Emily the entire time. See, I've, so, I've at Bravo been... Con, so at BravoCon, em- Emily would have still been considered a loser because she w- hasn't given us this season yet. I wouldn't say loser. And I shouldn't say I did not like Emily. I did not understand why she was on the show. I could not understand it, the purpose of She's Emily. Fun. Other, than, yeah. other than Shane, I was like, what? She never really had a great storyline. New Hip, she never had a story. She never had a storyline. <laughs> but her storyline was a new hip. I've oh seen her, per, I've seen her personality way more. And I've really enjoyed Emily. I think she's a lot of fun. Um, next week's episode shows. First off, Ooh, I have to party. say, I love when the women are screaming at each other in costume. Yeah. And we and we also see that later as we'll recap in Salt Lake City. That's what I want to see. It just adds to the chaos. It makes it even more. You can't take them seriously because they're in costume. It was like an OC when they were dressed up as the doppelgangers. And they are, and they're in these ridiculous outfits, but they're having these real conversations and real arguments. I love that. So we see that with these women. It's some kind of circus theme. I have no idea whose party this is or what this is for. But we see them still, Heather's still upset. We see them coming at Heather, but we really see the Tamara versus Heather of it all. I'm going to say that they're not friends anymore. I'm going to assume that they're not. Um, I haven't been paying attention to what's happened with them after, like, off camera. But it looks like this is the end of Heather and Tamara and maybe the end of Heather with OC. I mean, I could see her leaving the show. I don't want her to leave the show. And I feel like if she leaves the show, then the show's really just going to be lowbrow because Heather kind of just makes it a little more fancy and classy and she has the uber wealth. But it's like, what does Heather really get from the show? She has money. As Terry Dubrow says, they now have fuck everyone money. Like, they are, they're fine. All right, let's move on to Southern Charm, which I am thrilled is back. And now joining us, talking about being thrilled, Chelsea Stark-Jones is going to join in on the conversation for Southern Charm. You got three of us here probably needs three people to cover this, this <laughs> with all the 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 drop this is what I will say I love about Southern Charm you hear so much outside like before it even starts there's always there are always so many rumors circulating around this the show or the new season before it ever comes out and we kind of know what's going to happen but we don't know what's going to happen um but Zach I'll let you take it away for this episode Well, I mean, this episode was so good. So the rumors are that Taylor hooked up with Austin, right? That's how they open up the season is it's like, oh my God, did they or didn't they? And now we're starting to learn more about their relationship and how close they are. And Shep, as we are learning how close Taylor and Austin are, Shep is also learning about how close Taylor and Austin are. And I don't know, I guess I'm curious what your guys' opinions are because the... The the meat that comes out is that Austin and Taylor are not just super close, but Taylor will occasionally spend the night with Austin. And she recently spent the night 
at Austin's. We know Taylor is Shep's ex. Is it okay for your ex to spend the night at one of your best friend's houses, even if you claim nothing happened? Because they're he's claiming nothing happened. It's a no. It's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have to ask, yeah. It's, it's a no. A no. Um, and on top of that... But they're just that, friends. No, 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 no. And Austin's on top so trustworthy, of, you guys. And on top <laughs> of that, he didn't even tell Shep that it happened. This new weird guy, JT, was the one that JT. relayed this information. So Austin wasn't going to say anything. He only said something because he got caught. And to me, per Detective Craig, Austin was lying when he was asked if Eddie, if he ever kissed Taylor, the look down to the left, that, as Craig says, that's a clear tell that you're lying. So how far do you think that they've gotten? Do you think they've made out, had sex, are continuing to hook up? Honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter. They've already crossed the line. So even if it was just a little handsy, if it was a little kissing, like, or if they went all the way, like, it, it was crossing the line. And I think, you know... Shep is trying to play it cool in the moment when he's confronted by all of it, but I would have been pretty irate. And Austin... Austin's just such an asshole. (laughs) He says that they slept in the same bed, but did absolutely nothing. He admitted... Okay. Do we really believe this story? Do we think this is a storyline or this actually happened? That's my question. No, I do think that something inappropriate happened. And I like... and. Because it was interesting, Austin's story kind of changed throughout the bros day or whatever. At first, it was like she slept in the guest room. And then it was like, oh, she was in my... Like, I would... It was giving Vanderpump with like, I would sleep in bed with a friend. Like, nothing would happen. And it's like, no, like, you can't be that way. And he does seem... Like, even last season, he seemed really close. And I think it was the reunion. He seemed a little bit too close to Taylor for... Not my le- like. It just felt weird. I'm like, Shep's your best friend, and you're you're a little too friendly in this situation. Um, yeah, I just think it's inappropriate all the way around, and I'm not surprised. I don't think it's put on. I just wish that Austin wasn't such a dumbass. Like, and this JT guy, I I, I, I don't him. really care for him either. What would the show be Austin. without Austin? Like, exactly. Thank you, Rachel. Put some respect on his name. No, I'm not going to put respect, but I do. <laughs> I don't like him, but he is uh, necessary for this show. He's, yes, necessary. he's necessary for my life. He cannot get out of his way. Like he's and and it truly just seems to be him. But I will tell you, and I, I said this before on Morally Corrupt at BravoCon last year, I hosted a panel that Austin was on. There is, I'm not attracted to Austin at all. I am. Then if you saw him in person and you were around his personality, I see the allure. I see, I can see why people think he's charming. And I wasn't even around him. He was so nice, so polite, a lot taller than I thought. I do think he's necessary. I just, I... I don't know. And, and I see Taylor's perspective of trying to kind of stick it to Shep. Like, I feel like her motive in this is to kind oh, you of... you think she's doing this to get back at Shep? I do. I yeah. think she's doing it to stick it to Shep. Oh. Um, everything. Everything she, Taylor does is for Shep's attention. Yes. And I think even her getting upset at the... Like, 
I could see her learning more about the relationship as they break up and things bubbling over and probably knowing he's in Australia, as you said, hooking up with girls and like being frustrated by that. But I feel like this was her move to kind of take a jab at Shep, knowing that this would be something that would hurt him. Um, Because anything else she would do isn't going to really phase him. But like messing around with one of his friends, that's a line that I think Shep would actually be affected by. Yeah, no, I agree. And I will tell you this. It's painful for me to watch Taylor. There are certain people, and I would say this too when I was on The Bachelor, there are certain people who cannot handle the fame, the attention, the criticism, even the positivity. It goes to their heads. And this world will eat them alive. And we are watching it happen to Taylor in real time. And she's so lost and sad and desperate that it's painful to watch. She's going to have a tough season and people are going to be hard on her. And I'm actually concerned about her. I'm not justifying anything that she's done. But even in that first episode, watching the way that she came at Craig, drinking or not, this world is not for her. It is eating her alive. Now, what's your beef with JT? That was also kind of weird how he was like coming on to Taylor so hard. Like, I just thought it was strange. Like, Austin's clearly like hooking up with Taylor and JT's clearly like in love with Taylor. And they're both like basically professing their love for her at the same table that Shep is at. And like, but also, you know what? I don't care because Shep's a terrible human being. And like, he was awful to Taylor and he deserves to have it rubbed in his face. I want them to have a threesome right in front of him just so that he can realize what he lost. (laughs) <laughs> is Taylor that great that like is Taylor the, oh, I mean I guess she she was great I think to she Shep. was I don't know if she's yeah. I think she was too I just JT is just very like he's that friend your guy is friends with that you just don't like him being around like that, him being like, on the golf course with just like a bottle of rosé champagne that he's just like sipping on out of the bottle I was like He's just so douchey. Yeah, he was douchey. I just, I, we'll see um, how he progresses, but I just thought he was a little too excited. I did appreciate him bringing up the Taylor sleeping over at Austin's house. Like that was a plus, but everything else about him was just kind of gross. Yeah, he's giving friend of energy. My last question Do we need new people? Because I'm always like, oh, you're going to introduce us to somebody else. Do you think it's necessary? And I know someone else is coming too. Do we do we need the JT character? Do we need more people? Did he already serve his purpose by admitting that she came to see him in London and slept with his friend, or that he like is this necessary? Because this is a big cast. Like when every time Vanita pops up, I'm like, why is Vanita here? Yeah, Vanita, uh, Patricia, like uh, some of that. Like I don't, I, I could, I could have done without Patricia this, this episode. I didn't get why she was there. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. It does feel excessive. I mean, I know Patricia's there because Whitney is like the executive producer of the show or something. So he's going to put mom and him in there whenever he can. But I do think we could subtract. And I do think the only additions that I would really care for would be more women because it is such a dude show. Like seeing them golf and day drink and stuff, I was kind of like, this is annoying. But I, I I like the side characters as accessories. Like I like an Vanita because she could, you know, go with Madison and pull weeds together and they could have a conversation. Like, I like them, I like her serving that purpose. I don't like her being the center of the drama like she was last yeah. season. Yeah. 
I agree. I guess. I guess. Well, we are in for a roller coaster when it comes to Southern Charm. And I know we're all excited about that. So we will be recapping it through the entire season. Zach, thank you so much for joining us as always. And now we're going to move on to Roni. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, Roni. Roni, Roni, Roni. Let me just ask you a general question first, Chelsea. Do you like this season? Oh, I love this new season of Roni. I, I, even if the drama is petty and stupid and like there's not, too much plot. It's not that deep. Like I just enjoy looking at them. Enjoy the aesthetic of it. I enjoy the wealth that we're getting. They're all beautiful. Like yes, I am definitely enjoying this reboot, this rejuvenation of Roni. Um, I am too. I I've I feel like from the beginning, I've always been. I haven't. There hasn't been one point in this new season. It's it's fresh. It's there's just interesting storylines. I know Jody joked with me about this, but I believe that they really, most of them knew each other before. <laughs> I am choosing to believe that. Even though the drama, like you said, seems to be a little childish at times, I'm still enjoying it. And I'm so eager to see more from these women and, and eager to see where we go from here. I'm I'm so curious as to where the alliances are. Like I'll, I'm, I'm very excited about the reunion. You know who's still friends? Who's mad at what's been said? We already know Cy and Bren aren't as close as they are, and so I want to see. And these women are like eager to talk. I feel like they're always talking to the media, so I'm in on it. Um, I'll tell you what I'm not in on: the way these women are coming at Jessel. So they keep complaining about Jessel and saying that. She's not opening up and she's not talking about herself. She's talking about everything around her, but not specifically her. And I, this might have been Queens of Bravo that posted this, but they listed out all the things that Jessel has given us that have been so personal 
that I just don't understand why it's not resonating with the other women. So I had a feeling we were going to disagree on this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, so I think my, um, where I'm coming from with this or my point of view or thought about this is I feel like Jessel is trying to relate to the other woman in her retelling of her childhood and her story by trying to mention stuff about how hard she had it and like Uh use that as like a correlation of like, well, I also had it hard when like her having it hard wasn't as deep or as difficult as someone like Sai or Bryn or even Uba. Like, I think, I don't think she's doing it to kind of, um, compare or like woe is me but I think she's trying to do it in a way of like I could relate to you because I also had it tough and like to me Jessel sounds like she grew up similar to how I did which was my family had it rough they had it hard I was fortunate enough to have opportunities I worked at a part-time job and went through college and had an internship and was not doing like but I would never want to try to relate to Psy in any type of way because even though it was a struggle for me and sometimes like it it was nothing like with what's what Psy had going on or with what Bryn had going on so I I do think that she's given us a lot about her personal like life currently like her sex life the embryos um and and her relationship with her mother but I do think when they're trying to understand her a little bit more deeply, it does feel like she's trying to like, well, I'm like one of you guys too, because I also struggled and only had $20 in my bank account and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, I did too. But like, I still had a place to sleep and a loving family and stuff like that. <laughs> so like, that's where I differ. Good. Well, I agree with that. I think that I don't want to take away from what, what was hard to her. Right. Compared to size upbringing or Uba's upbringing or Bren's, if there's a spectrum, she's far away from it. Right. Like there were times when I had $20 in my bank account, but I always knew I could call home and be like, listen, I had an allowance. I spent, I, you know, I don't have any money. I didn't manage it. You know, yeah. I knew <laughs> that there was a place I could always go. Um, and so I, I understand that sentiment, but, and I just looked up the, post because I want to give credit to Queens of Bravo. They listed it. She's still giving her personal life. They're like, we don't know anything about you. She has shared her sex life with her husband, her IVF journey with her twins, her immigration to the USA, in addition to her families, and her rise from intern to publicist. You know, like it's still personal and it's a part of her story. Maybe they are mixing the two of like getting frustrated by the things that you said. And they're like, but you don't have it the same as us. But that's not the same thing as her not opening up and sharing. She is. And it's really making me have issues with Sai. Yeah, I will say, Sai has been someone that I thought I was going to come into the season liking. And she is not that. I will say, um, to piggyback off of that, in and, and somewhat of a defense of the women, it does feel like Jessel is a little bit long-winded. She's a, a very Dorit-esque yeah. in her delivery <laughs> about things. So I can see how it could be like, okay, we get it. But yeah, Sai is not who I thought she would be. And even my mom, she followed Sai. She knew Sai as an influencer prior to Roni. And she was really excited to 
see Sai on the screen. And now she's like, I don't know if I like her anymore. And it, it is tough. And I, I will also say these women, they did it to Jenna. And now they're doing it. They are doing it to Jessel. And it's like, we want you to be open and vulnerable with us. But the moment that you are, we're going to say that we don't like what you're, what you're saying. And you can't have it both ways. Um, and yes, if Jessel, if that's her experience, then you have to kind of accept it. But I, yeah, I, Sai is not, she, she's not, she's not what I was hoping for. I really like, I like her with her husband, but amongst the women, she is kind of mean. Mean and annoying and a little bratty, a little bratty. And I, I thought about this as I was watching side to your point. I followed her on Instagram and I didn't realize that because her name is not Sai on like Instagram. It's like something in the city or something. Scout in the city. And when they were announced and I went and looked up as we do all of their Instagrams, I was like, oh, I'm following her because I love her fashion and her aesthetic and I like seeing her kids and all of that. And it reminded me of something I saw somebody say once. There's this influencer on TikTok. Um, she cooks and she never speaks. And you hear the sound of her cutting the vegetables. It's Emily. Oh, I know. Mariko, Mariko or something. Yeah. Mariko. And then all of a sudden, Emily started speaking in some of her videos and people were outraged. They were upset. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, that's not what I thought she sounded like. Oh, she's a little, you know, they were kind of like a little, she's a little annoying. You know, oh, like, God, we, yeah. came, we came in just to see you chop up food and prepare it and the sounds of the food. And you know, I'm an ASMR junkie, so I really love that. That is Sai. <laughs> we loved, we love your fashion. And, and like I said, the aesthetic and everything that you bring and the way you put things together. But the moment we're getting to know you more, I don't like it. Yeah, I we don't loved like it. And I hate the, to say that, but it's very true. No, <laughs> it is. We loved the curated version of you that you wanted us to see. And now that we get to see behind that and more raw and you amongst other people, it's not it's not that curated version that we're used to. Um, and even just her, like, I don't even know if I could appreciate the drama that she's bringing because it, it, she just does seem so irritating and and her being hungry all the time just isn't a personality trait like it, we can't, can't make that, that a thing yeah can't stand it first it was the toilet paper then it was the it's i i just i i'm very disappointed because yeah. i'm i'm like you we i think we had the same sentiment coming in when it came to her and i'm just not into it i'm not into anything that she's bringing even dare i say it not even that wild by the fashions from the show that she's not even that wild. Yeah, she's she's not my best dressed of the franchise. Jenna is. I'm more into Jenna's aesthetic is probably more of what I like, but I'm more into Jenna. I like what Jenna wears. I like what Uba wears. I like what Bryn wears. I think Aaron is pretty plain, but it works for her. And like I it just, works for Aaron, yeah. Yeah. But even Jessel, I like what Jessel wears. But Sai, I'm like. Okay. Like, I expect more from a fashion influencer, I guess. Right. Right. Especially because, you know, we wake up every morning on this trip that they're currently on and she's, you know, taking pictures of herself. So she clearly packed as an influencer to capture the moment. Um, you mentioned Aaron. 
Were you as shocked as most people were when she said she was 35? No. And I don't mean to talk about somebody's <laughs> age. I just, I think I was more, it's not even that she looks a certain age to me. I just think I'm so used. It 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 kind of put things into perspective for me because I am so used to the women being more middle age that when she said it, I thought, oh my gosh, this really is a younger cast. Not that I was like, oh, Aaron looks 45. I just was like, dang it, she's younger than me. <laughs> and she's a housewife. And, and we're just she's not a housewife used to with three that. kids, too. With three kids. Yeah. We're just not used to seeing it. Who celebrated her 10-year anniversary? Yeah, she got married pretty young. I, it, was, it didn't surprise me. I think it was in the first or second episode where she was like, uh, anywhere in the country, you're 16, but in New York, you're 25. Like, you just kind of feel older in New York than you do elsewhere comparative to the country. So I wasn't too surprised with her age. And and I also just think we had in the Bravo group chat. I don't know if it's, I don't necessarily want to say it's maturity. There's just something that like more of an old spirit to her. I mean, she didn't even know what WAP was. So like, there's a little bit of, um, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. <laughs> She's like wet ass, <laughs> wet ass. I'm like, okay, let's put it all together. <laughs> so, like, there's there seems to be a little bit of a... Like, she's a little detached from pop culture and some millennial-esque things that that we're all into. So it didn't yeah. surprise me too much. That's that's a good point. She is... She's a millennial, but she doesn't... F- she's giving Generation X. Yeah, yeah. She's she's just a little. She's she trends a little older. She probably you know likes the music my mom likes, which I also like the music my mom, uh, which likes, we like as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, thank God for Uba being the voice of reason here. What she said in her confessional, I kind of wish she would have said in front of the other women when it came to Jessel about like she broke it down so well and she probably is the voice of reason because she's also not drinking. Neither is Jenna. So like she sees things a lot more clearly than the other women do. But I I hope she speaks on it more at the reunion because she's like, Jessel is opening up to you guys. Like she, they're just so, they just pick on Jessel. And this isn't the first time. Like they're constantly, they picked on her. Like she opens up, damned if you do, damned if you don't. She opens up about her sex life. They're, they're still making sef- sex life jokes to Jessel. That was like five episodes ago, if not more. Guys, let's yeah. move on. I think she is just easy to pick on. Like, she just feels like that little sister that you could just kind of tug around every once in a while where she's just like quirky and light and fluffy. And so I feel like she's just easy to like kind of throw low jabs at or just like, or pick on. Like, and and she seems to carry it well. And I think because she could, she does she holds carry herself well. well. You know, she could give it back just as much as she could take it. So I... It's getting annoying, especially coming from Psy. Um, but I do, I do see how she, like she could kind of make herself a target in that way. Of like, it's she just feels very easy for them to like go after. She's soft. She's not soft in a bad way. So, like she just seems like very kind. I don't know. Yeah, I will agree about. I will agree with that. Um, so later the ladies gather for dinner, which we love when everyone gathers around the dinner table and they decide to tell embarrassing stories about themselves. And every time they play games, they do a very good job of giving us 
funny situations or actually understanding the assignment and giving embarrassing stories. We'll talk about that later in Salt Lake City where that was a complete fail. Um, But that was, I I thought, a fun moment and kind of like a palate cleanser before we got into more drama. And throughout this trip, there's been this back and forth between Uba and Aaron because Uba pushed Aaron into the pool when they first got there. And so Aaron, unbeknownst to us, is this huge prankster and is like finding the perfect moment or the perfect thing to do to get Uba back, which I'm ready for, right? A true prankster, I'm like, oh, she's gonna get, it's gonna be so good. So Uba's scared. Uba's on edge. Uba's like, what is she gonna do? I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. She's ready for it. And she thinks that Aaron's gonna get her back by pushing her in the pool again. But Sai pushes her in the pool instead. And so Uba's like, oh, you got me. It's done. We're, we've moved on. You, I got pushed in the pool now too. And, and Aaron doesn't say this to her face, but to other people, she's like, no, like, we're not done. Sai pushed you in the pool. That's not my prank. So Uba leaves her phone in the car and the driver lets Aaron know that someone left their phone. She's like, oh, it's Uba's. I'm going to take her phone. And that's her prank. She, still Uba's, she steals Uba's phone. Uba has no idea. Everybody settles for bed. Uba's looking for her phone. Uba can't find her phone. She's getting pissed. Sai knows that Uba, that Aaron has Uba's phone. Sai alerts Aaron or Jessel or somebody. And, and Uba, Uba got her phone back that night, right? Yeah, she got her phone back that night. Apparently, it was only 45 minutes in which she realized her phone was missing and when she found her phone because she didn't realize really? her phone. It was only 45 minutes? They said 45 minutes because she didn't realize her phone was missing when she left the car. She realized her phone was missing after the fact. So from the time she realized it to the time she got it, it was 45 minutes. Now, from the time they got out of the car to when she found it, I don't know how long Aaron had the car in her or the phone in her possession. But from the realization of shit, I lost my phone. Where is it? To, oh, it's in Aaron's bed was about 45 minutes, according to the women. So here's the thing. I'm team Uber on this all day, every day. Are you Uber or Aaron? I think this is so dumb. And I would have been more upset about getting pushed in the pool than someone hiding my phone. I would too, obviously. (laughs) The hair, yes. I was like, I would have been more upset about that than the phone thing. But I would have, if I pushed somebody in the pool, I would expect them to do the same thing. That's why I would never push somebody in the pool. (laughs) Um, Unless I had braids and then it's like, whatever. Yes. But I'm team Uba on this because a prank is supposed to be funny. It's all about timing. It's all about execution. You did it for too long. Even if it was 45 minutes, that's a long time to not know where your phone is when everybody has retired and gone to bed and it's nighttime. That you took it too far and you took it to bed with you. I do not believe Aaron ever had any intention of giving Uba her phone back that night. That you took the joke too far. It's the moment Uba started getting upset. It's not funny anymore. And so to me, Aaron is not a great prankster. Don't know what kind of pranks went on in her house growing up, but she failed. She's a lie. She's not good at it. This was this was executed 
horribly. And I do understand the frustration of when you're on vacation, I'm an in the moment person and I'm not really worried about where my phone is, especially on a girl's trip. But by the time I get to bed and I'm getting ready and I'm, you know, like responding to people, I'm thinking about the day. And for Uba, as she said, I need to let my family know I'm okay because she doesn't have a husband or anything like that. So I, or significant other, she probably was like really upset and worried and thinking, did I leave it in the car? Did I leave it at this restaurant? I'm in a different country. You know, all, all of that. I understand her frustration. I would have been pissed at Aaron. And the fact that, and what would have made me more mad, and maybe this is where Uba's coming from, is Aaron was not apologetic at all. Aaron wasn't like, okay, you know, like you didn't think it was funny, my bad. I was doing it because of this, sorry. Aaron was like, what? It was a prank. So what? I, it was I funny. Kind of, it wasn't so funny. I I think I agree. It wasn't funny. Um, and I think it, this also might contribute to everyone thinking that Aaron's older than she is. Is she has a dryness to her? And what you were saying earlier about Heather Debro, like not being funny. Like I kind of see that with Aaron, where f- funny is not your strong suit. Um, so like let's not live in that lane. Um, but. I think, in fairness to Aaron, Uba didn't really give her an opportunity to apologize or to say, like, oh, this was a joke. Like, she was already, like, on 10. And so I feel like that then puts Aaron at defense of, like, I don't know. I just thought, like, it was a little bit silly to be that upset about. Nope. In the morning, when Uba came down and didn't talk, I would have been like... Uba, are you really upset? I'm so sorry. Like, I w- I didn't try to make you upset. I thought, like, she had, even if Uba, she didn't even try to do that for Uba to respond. She just was like, oh, Uba's going to come down and be mad at me? It was a joke. It was funny. I think the worst thing, one, I shouldn't say the worst, I'm being dramatic. One of the worst things, and I, as you pointed out, I said this with Heather, is to think you're funny and you're not. And Aaron was resting in this space of it was a joke. It was funny. It was a prank, but it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I would have been that person to confront Uba in that moment of her coming out and being like upset. Like I probably would have been a little bit scared of like, oh shit, she is really mad at me right now. I don't think I want to talk to her. Um, I'm confrontational. I'm, oh, so I'm not. I would have so I would have run up behind Uba and like hugged her and be like, "Don't be mad at me. I'm sorry. It was a joke. You're right. I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'll never take your phone again. Like, I would have joked. It's our ran last and day. Hid. Like, no. <laughs> like, I don't like when people are mad at me. I was the type of kid like I never got whoopings because once they raised their voice, I started to cry. Like that, and it was it. Like so. Oh yeah, I'm, I got I'm, I got spankings at an inappropriate age, way too late in life. <laughs> I was getting spanking. No, I would like me and my cousins. They would get whoopings, and I'd just be bawling, and they'll be like, "Chelsea gets it." Like, <laughs> no, so like I I would have been the Aaron in that situation of like, "Oh shit, she's mad." Like I'm just gonna recoil and be quiet and complain about it when she's not around. <laughs> No, that would definitely would not have been me. But I do think that Aaron was being, was like stuck her heels in the mud and was like, nope, it was a prank and that's it. And wouldn't see Uba's side of it. And personally, I don't think Uba needed to, Uba, yes, maybe Uba could have been like, okay, it was a prank. And she could have been like, Aaron, it was a prank. It wasn't funny. Don't fuck with me like that again. That's how I probably would have been. If I was Uba, I would have been like, don't do that shit to me again. 
It wasn't funny. And Aaron probably would have gotten upset about that too. But in, but Aaron got mad that Uba was mad at her. And that's the those are the characteristics about Aaron that I didn't like. And to the point where Uba's just decided to give her the silent treatment rather than go off. Uba's like, I'm not fucking with you right now. Totally understand that sentiment as well. And so Uba starts saying, where's Aaron? They're all getting ready to leave. And Uba's like, where's Aaron? Where's Aaron? Or something like that. And Aaron's like, do not say my name. Aaron asked for it. Aaron asked for every bit of energy that Uba gave her. And that's what the, Aaron's like, talks a big game. But when it really comes down to it, you ain't about this life. I would eat Aaron alive. <laughs> You know, I don't like it. I would, I would like eat to see that. her up. And Uba, she wasn't expecting Uba to be the one. She got the right one on the wrong day. And yeah. Aaron said, keep your name out of my mouth. Uba said, okay, here we go. I was ready. I was ready for you to make the first move. And you did. So, I mean, maybe the glasses, taking the glasses off her face was a little bit too much. A little much. But all the energy Uba was giving her outside of that, I thought was well warranted. Yeah, the glasses were um, a lot, and I and again, it's it's maybe I just need to put myself in Uba's position. I just don't know if I would be that upset over the phone. Um, and like I said, the pool thing would have would have pissed me off more. But like I was saying offline, I was this is Uba making up for like two episodes where she had COVID and she couldn't, she, we, we didn't get much first. So like, here she is like really showing us who she is. <laughs> I love Uba. Like, I think she's fabulous. Um, it seems like they're friends again now, her and Aaron. Um, but yeah, I was like, this is a side of Uba that I was not expecting to see over something that was quote unquote, a prank, not a good prank, but a prank nonetheless. Um, yeah, I I am curious to see how they resolve this, if they resolve it on the trip or what. But it seems like next week they still are kind of at odds, um, fighting in the hot tub. Good. <laughs> Good. I'm team Uba all the way. Um, Uba hot. If we, we could never have Aaron on this podcast. I couldn't be doing the interview. Because I'm so <laughs> just like, I... I just don't, I, I just, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be professional. I'd have to, I'd have to recuse myself. I'd have to recuse myself. Um, okay. Well, that is the end of Roni. Loving every bit of it. Next week's going to be just as good. Now let's talk about Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Yes. How are you liking this season so far? I mean, we're three episodes in and it feels like we're getting back to the Salt Lake that we loved season one with the wackiness of it, the stupidity of it all, the high stakes. I really do think the loss of Jen just benefits this group tremendously where they are not walking on eggshells around each other and afraid to like let off a grenade or bomb or whatever. And they could just be themselves and not worry about someone blowing blowing up on them. Like it's it's been really refreshing. And also the addition of Mary. Like to lose Jen and gain Mary, like I didn't know how much I needed her. Like she is amazing. She's she's the talk of the town. And the I'm bell sure of the ball. a lot of people, the bell of the ball, I'm sure a lot of people probably thought 
what will the show be like without Jen? Because so much drama, Jen sucks up all the energy in the room and so much drama has centered around Jen or been created by Jen. So I even too, I was like, I was like, what is this going to look like? Even when they said they were going to bring Mary back, I'm like, okay, but like what, as much as I love Mary Cosby, what is that going to look like? Who is she cool with? And this is the genius of Bravo and just housewives in general. They knew not to make Mary full-time. They knew the way to bring her back. And I love that at the bottom of her Chiron, it says, friend of Meredith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like we like she wasn't a whole housewife before. Yeah, we could just put Mary. <laughs> but it is the sweet spot, right? It's just enough for her for her to give us her Maryisms. That's what we'll call them, or her Cosbyism. Oh, maybe not Cosby. Her Maryisms, <laughs> and she leaves us wanting more, but also knows that we can't handle much more. And that's what's so great. Just, just. Somebody had a montage of Mary, and it's like, yes, she's everything. So we, on this episode, the ladies are going to Palm Springs, which I always feel like the Utah ladies go to the worst places. Yeah, their regional destinations aren't... Like, OC could go to Mexico. That's only a two, three-hour flight. I feel like Utah... I mean, I don't know. Their regional destinations, their short, quick trips are never that. Like, it was Palm Springs, Vegas, San Diego. Scottsdale, yeah. And before we blamed it on the fact that Jen could not leave the country, but for us to go to the Trixie Motel in Palm Springs, shout out to Trixie, but just for us to go to the Trixie Motel in Palm Springs, I thought, why? I think their big trip is out of the country, thank God. Um, but the, I mean, at the first trip of the season is always something local. And so just their local their local gets are just not that great. Like they don't have access to to a lot of quick flights to good good cities, I guess. I don't know. I just... Show us more of Utah, right? Like, we, uh, we know. <laughs> I just... I don't know. It's like, if you're going to go regional, show us something that we... Uh, the desert, Palm Springs. Okay, I'm off that. But they get there and they are met... They are surprised not by the Trixie Hotel. They're surprised at the sight of Angie. To which Mary gives us, who is Angie? <laughs> and you know what? We got we had Angie all last season, and I think some of us are still asking that question. Who is Angie and why is she here? Yeah, she served her purpose last season, but I just don't like tryhards. And I think, Rachel, that's what it is, is I think that she probably wasn't a snowflake holder at this moment in time, which is why she was not invited on the cast trip. Um, and this is her way of being like, I deserve a snowflake. I'm going to be the most extra. I'm going to create drama where there is no drama to be created. And I'm going to be thirsty because I want to be a snowflake holder come the end of the season. And I kind of think that's why we're getting a lot of this just very obvious digging and picking a fight and stuff like that. Like, to have the audacity to be mad at Meredith on her group trip that she didn't give you a gift when she didn't know you were going to be there? Like, lady, stop it. It's it's like, she... First off, <clears throat> we can't ignore the fact that that Whitney brought her here. So some of this direct uh, anger has to be directed towards 
Whitney. Whitney knew exactly what she was doing. We don't care if Trixie's your friend. You came early. You snuck Angie in. Nobody likes her. So you have to take some of this energy that's coming at Angie because she wouldn't be here without you. We know you're doing this for the show, but still. Angie, I thought coming in would be a little remorseful. Not remorseful, but just kind of like understand that she's not wanted and would kind of just be in the background and appreciative that she is there. She's still there. They didn't kick her out immediately and just try to win people over. But instead, she gets offended at the way that the women are repulsed at the side of her. Yes. And, and, and gets like, becomes a victim. And it's like, Angie, you don't even go here. You are not supposed to be here a part of this trip. And I'm just, and that's why it's like, I can never get on the Angie train because her actions don't make sense to me. They're illogical. I mean, none of their actions make sense to me, but I will say in Angie's defense, I didn't necessarily understand why she wasn't invited by Meredith to begin with. They seem that they kind of left the season on fine terms. So the reason why Meredith had so much smoke for Angie, I was just confused by. And even later in the episode, it still kind of confused me. <laughs> so I was like, is there something going on that we maybe aren't seeing or knowing? Is there something about the husband? Like, I, I don't know. So I was a little bit thrown by that. And so I could see why Angie maybe was a little defensive in that way, but still I would show a little bit of gratitude. <laughs> Monica is actually cool with Angie. Mm-hmm. And Angie's cool with Lisa. And I think that's where it is. But even Monica is able to point out that Angie is being the most. Angie is being rude. Angie is not knowing her place. Like, just be grateful that you're here. Yes. And I gotta say, and I'm I'm waiting to I'm like holding my breath as I say it because I'm afraid she's going to disappoint me at some point. But I love Monica. I think she is perfect casting. I even loved when you know Angie had her little conniption fit about the gifts, and Monica could hear her talking shit about her. She walks into the room and says, "I hear you. What's going on?" and confronts her right then and there, like. I think she was made for this. <laughs> and and I do agree with with her kind of being like, look, you are my friend. Um, but that was rude. Like, I'm going to tell you if you're rude. I'll tell you in the moment. I'll tell you behind your back or to your face when no one else is around. Um, and I did really dislike, though, when Angie was like, I brought you into this group. I'm like, ma'am, you were a season... <laughs> three friend of like do, you have no clout here like yes you're you've been on this for one additional season the monica has but you were a friend of like so don't and you didn't bring her in casting brought her in like that that's the thing like so stop acting like she owes you this big bout of loyalty she doesn't no monica brought herself in with yes. her connection to jen like, yeah, that's who brought her in. You didn't. You just happened to be friendly with her. And I and I too agree with everything that you're saying about Monica. And I think what makes Monica so great is every time she does something, I'm like, that's exactly what I would say. That's exactly what I would do. She doesn't. It and, and maybe this is the freshness of being new and not really knowing how you're supposed to be at a housewife. She's as a housewife, she's not playing the game. She's just actually reacting. 
She'd yes. be like, no, don't do that. Stop. Or, okay. I just, and everything she says, I'm like, that's how I would act in real life. And that's, yeah. I feel like the energy that we're getting. Monica's not trying to play a part. She's really just being herself. Yeah, And she I doesn't, hope that she keeps that. I, I do too. And she doesn't feel like she has studied Housewives because I feel like when you come into a season, a, a show, a franchise that's already been established and it's like, oh, I've watched this. Like when they were at the dinner table and at, at the end of the episode and I think Angie said something and just to see Monica put her napkin over her head, like that, that is like relatable. Like I probably would have reacted the same way. And it's like, she has this very... um pure and authentic approach to to being there and and she's being genuine i really i do like her i'm just afraid she's going to disappoint me um and so i'm i'm holding my breath with that yes she probably we like her through episode three we like her to now we reserve the right to take it back um so the ladies go on a shopping trip which i actually love this idea of they split up they're paired in groups but it seems like everybody and then Mary and Monica, which was weird. But um, they're paired in groups and they have to pick outfits out for one another. And I loved that idea because it gave the opportunity for them to be either really nice or really shady. The twist was that they then had to take those outfits and wear them to dinner, which Meredith is the one planning this trip. And Meredith picked out the most outrageous outfit for Lisa, even though she totally has pulled Lisa to the side and say, hey, let's try to build on our relationship, but then shades her with this outfit. But I appreciate Lisa for being, even though she complained and it was annoying, she, at the end of the day, wore the outfit out in public. We know that she doesn't like to wear very revealing things. And as Monica pointed out, you you owned it. You played the part. You This was the game. You played it kudos to you um but yeah, i loved I, seeing this i would not have been such a good sport um, <laughs> i was like oh fun a shopping day like where are we going and when they went to thrift stores i was like we can't even go to kyle by shahidi like why are we in this thrift store i was like this is not a vibe i would have been so upset um it was it was fun i mean mary shopping with monica was hilarious um her saying that uh, i'm gonna pick it out for the both of us and mary does not have a great taste herself so i was just like <laughs> dying um and yeah it was and, and then again to have angie k just bopping around uninvited on her own picking out her own outfit and like having her come out of the dressing room and just with Meredith and Heather being so disgusted. <laughs> so disgusted. So disgusted. Um, yeah, it was a fun... Most gimmicky things on these shows are kind of, like, annoying. Um, it was it was fun. I liked it. And, and you talk about the disgust that Heather and Meredith have, which I personally believe, which is why we saw the behavior we did for Meredith and Heather at the dinner that they then go to, which was clearly a drunken dinner. I feel like they both needed to be under the influence of something <laughs> to survive the fact that they had to sit at the table, Meredith across from Angie and Heather right next to her. That was a coping mechanism. <laughs> and thank God for it, because it just gave us the most chaotic dinner it's like nobody, they were all at different dinners. That's what it felt like. It was just Their outfits the were at different locations. They were all at different dinners. Yes. Their per personality was. Um, 
So they decide to play a game where it first involves them sharing something about themselves that the others don't know, which Meredith is like, I'll lead it off because it, 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 it's, it's just the first thing that popped up in my head, but I used to come to Palm Springs as a child. Isn't that what she said? Yeah, with my grandparents. Okay. And so <laughs> she sets the tone. So then it's like, if that's the tone, then everybody is giving sentimental or... Boring. They're giving boring. Surface <laughs> level, boring, thank you, boring stories. And thank God for Monica, who's like, are we playing games or not? Is, is this not a girl's trip? Let's get rowdy. Yes. I slept with my brother-in-law for 18 months. I wish she almost <laughs> would have gone first, but her saying it and then the women not knowing that story was amazing. Oh my God, it was so good. Like Lisa's like, oh, and then Mary goes, cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought so they would funny. stay in that space more, maybe yeah. asking her more questions, but they didn't. I think they were kind of a little afraid to. Or it's just very Utah, I guess. I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> yes. But then maybe maybe it was Whitney who built off that, who was like, okay, well, then the next game is, what does she call it? Warm and fuzzy? fuzzy the warm and, and fuzzies? Like, prickly and prickly pear? Prickly sticky? I don't know what it was She must called. play this with her kids or something. Uh, yeah, it was. it sounded very childish. Yes, but 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 and childish also because it came from Whitney, but it was say one thing you like about the person or you love, and then the other thing was something that bothers you about them. And I'm like, okay, yes. now we're getting down to it because the women can't help themselves. And I love that it was the second game because it gave them more time to drink and really just let it all settle in, so then they could just spit it all out. And Heather turns to Angie and she's like, her basically is the thing that she doesn't, that bothers her is she doesn't trust her, which makes all the sense in the world. The last thing that you said to Heather was that you told the story of her and Jen possibly having a lesbian relationship and they had a lover's quarrel. And that is how the black eye happened, which was so outrageous. There was no proof behind it. Why would Heather like you? And you seem so baffled. And then Heather's like, also, I've known you the longest and you are not trying to have any type of relationship with me. You seem to be trying to she social, says, the- like climb a ladder yeah. in this friendship. Yes. I mean, in this friend group. Yes. So all of that made... I wish that... Ha- and granted, she was maybe five or six espresso martinis in at this point. Who knows? Um, I wish she would have led with this <laughs> the scissoring rumor as opposed to, cause I think what she said was you go from people like you're, she said, you suck the biggest dick in the room. And then she was like, you <laughs> went from Jen and then you ditched Jen and you went to Lisa. And it's like, Heather, that's exactly what you've done. Like you were ride or die for, for Jen for X amount of seasons. So like, why, why is that your example? Like, the example should have been the scissoring sisters punching in the eye thing. Um, and and I do see that from Angie. Because, again, she is thirsty to be on the show and to be on this platform. She's trying to find whoever she could cling on to to make, you know, it work for her to hold the snowflake. So I do get that. And I, I Angie's response and her reaction to it I, I don't know. I just, I don't think I, I don't like, I'm not an Angie, I'm not an Angie fan. 
No, I, I don't know anybody who is. Yeah, not she's, not, she's I not delivering. I don't even believe Whitney is. Whitney just brought her because somebody had to bring her. Whitney Nobody wanted to stir the pot. Angie K there. And Angie K only wants the fame. So I don't even think that she cares if she's liked or not. She just, it's what, like, I don't know how they have their money. I don't know if it's legit or not. There's been, they've kind of alluded in the trailers that there seems to be some issues there. But it just seems like she's bored in her life. And this is an opportunity for her to have something that she doesn't have. And so now we're stuck with Angie. But Monica does Lisa. And I love this because she told no lies. What she said is very real, but it exposes, in my opinion, um, Lisa, because it points out something that Lisa thinks she is and she's not. So Monica's like, listen, I kudos to you for coming out and playing this game and being uncomfortable, but just owning it and wearing this outfit um, and coming to this dinner. Very nice thing to say. And she's like, the thing that was, the thing that bothers me, it was hard to listen to you complain all day about the $60,000 ring you lost when I'm a struggling single mom. Read the room, basically. And of course, Lisa's immediately defensive and is like, wait, what are you talking about? I haven't brought up the ring and those Bravo editors come back to the seven times that she brought up the ring. And not just that she lost her ring. We get it. I would be upset too if I lost a ring, let alone it be a $60,000 ring. But nobody knew it was $60,000. Nobody needed to know. (laughs) You had to tell everybody. And you kept saying it. Hey guys, by the way, I lost my ring and it was $60,000. I'm so upset. And you don't know how to read the room. And Lisa, as I've said throughout this podcast, people who think they're funny and they're not, Lisa thinks she's so relatable. She thinks she's one with the people and you are not. Like the way, oh my God, we're going to Europe, blah, 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 blah. You should see this house. You would die. She said that the first episode. Like everything that she does is not, is in the clouds and not relatable to the average person. But in her mind, she thinks she's down. She thinks she's one with the people. Eating Taco Bell every day does not make you down. (laughs) And I know it triggered her so much to hear Monica point that out because it is not the perception that she has of herself. Yeah. It was giving Kim losing her diamond earring on vacation and them yelling, there's people dying, Kim. Like, there's greater things than losing your ring that you should be concerned about. And yes, read the room. Like, it 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 was excessive. It was a lot. Like, I, and to your point, you're like, yeah, I would be upset too if I lost a ring that supposedly my husband gave me. It was a part of my ring wedding stack or whatever like that that would be my sentiment more than the what it cost like and it and you're telling us what it costs because you want us to know how much it costs like you want us to know that you're wealthy and it's annoying and so i did appreciate monica calling her out for that and it it really did show lisa's like, and this was the point where Lisa turns on Monica, where it's like, she's not going to like her anymore. And it's not because she told any lies. It's it's all truth. And Lisa just can't handle it. And Lisa's very unaware. Like, I truly believe she thought she had not mentioned it that much. She's oh, yes. unaware of the things that she does. It's giving Dana, these glasses are $25,000. $25, and the thing is, somebody said this to me 
And it wasn't in regards to a $60,000 ring, but it was like, I think it was like a Louis Vuitton bag and it was stolen. And they were like, if I have a Louis Vuitton bag and it gets stolen and I can't replace it, then I never should have had the Louis Vuitton bag in the first place. Like I shouldn't have something this expensive if I can't buy it back for myself. And I was like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. If you have a $60,000 ring, it should be insured. So if you can't get the ring back, and I understand you being upset because of their sentimental value attached to it, you should at least have, have, have it insured to where you can be compensated for that loss. Yes. That much money. And I'm sure she did. And if she didn't, that's your bad. But she probably has it insured. And like, let's just count our losses. I get you being upset. I'm not taking that away from you. But it was a bit much. Um, so then we go on to Angie K giving a toast and she basically gives a toast to being fake. And first she uses a Greek, she uses a Greek word and she's like, Oh, this means fake. And of course that's going to set everybody off. And again, Angie, if you're there to stir up the drama, you just, I'm not mad at you for wanting to stir up the drama, but this wasn't the time to do it. Why don't you try to get in good with these ladies first before you just start taking shots at them? And so, of course, this riles people up. Meredith, who I love a disen- um, an engaged Meredith. Okay, we got a disengaged Meredith the first season. Meredith has been engaged ever since. And I understand why she was disengaged because an engaged Meredith is an unhinged Meredith. Meredith, the way she is holding her head to the side and her eyes are bucked and the way that her mouth is moving... She like she almost seems like she's like her head is going to split open and something else is going to come <laughs> out. It's giving men in black. Like they're the way that she's moving, it's odd, but I love it. I love I can't turn away from every it. bit of it. Her accent changed several times throughout the dinner. She was British at one point. She did not know words at another point. Like she it was it was great TV. And I, I agree. Engaged Meredith is the Meredith that I want from this point out. Because her her getting up and finding a waiter who she believed to be security to remove Angie from the table was like, never have I ever seen that on Housewives before. <laughs> like, so good. It was... And, and the fact poor that... Waiter. Ha- he was like, I will try to find somebody <laughs> like, what to do. This is not within my job description, lady. <laughs> Probably pissed he had to sign a release to now yeah. be on camera. And I loved Heather being like, I'm five espresso martinis in. And even I know that that's not security. And she was able to still call out the fact that Meredith's accent changed as well. Yes. It was uh, whatever Meredith was under the influence of, I want that every single episode. Like, she had every right to be upset at Meredith, I mean, at Angie calling her fake or, and all of this because Angie shouldn't have even been there. But her reaction to it was everything. And Lisa then pulls her outside to talk to her. And Meredith, and and I am concerned at this point. I'm like, what? Something else is going on with Meredith. She keeps saying like... Yes, yeah. Before they left the table, she said something about 
disabled kids never being able to walk again or something like that. And like Mary was like, what is going on? What world am I in? It was very, it was very strange. It was. And, 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 and I think she was getting a little loose with, with the tug and like saying personal things that maybe are going on in her life, or maybe it's a friend that she knows. And she's just like, she keeps saying, I, we, this is so stupid to even talk about their real problems. I'm not going to get upset about this. I'm not going to talk about this. And then to see her go outside and kind of reiterate that same line of thinking or that those thoughts and then sob, I mean, sob in Lisa's arms, it's like, what is happening? And then immediately it's like, she cleans it all up. And she's like, if I, and this is a quote, if I want to go for the jugular and talk about this shit, the rumors and the nastiness about her, we can do that. You know what? You don't want me to go there with her husband. I can go there. Don't fuck with me. This this is going to be the next thing at BravoCon when they do scenes like that, like oh, Scary Islands, a scene that they've done. I had the pleasure of doing it last year at BravoCon. This episode is an episode that they're going to have to redo. And I'm asking right now to let me play Mary Cosby. Please <laughs> let me be Mary. Slight work, minimal lines, but every time she did, she hit. Impact. Every line hit. Impact. It's the impact. This yes. Meredith, this monologue from Meredith, I, I, I'm so like, go to, please go to the jugular. What are the rumors? What is the nastiness about Mary Kay? What is, I mean, Angie Kay, what is her husband? What is it? No, please fuck with her and let her unleash whatever this is that she is alluding to. Because you know, it's, it's true because she's drunk. And everything she's saying is like truth. It's like a truth serum that she well, has you, been injected in her. You know it's true because the way Lisa was looking at her, when she, like Lisa knew what Meredith knew when she said that. Like Lisa was like, okay, okay, I got this. Like I will, I will fix this. Because Lisa knows whatever Meredith is like. She knows these rumors about the husband, and she she was ready to like squash it because she didn't want because Lisa or Angie's her friend. So yes, and then also. To that, like, that monologue had so <laughs> many different inflection points, too, where it was, like, <laughs> clear clarity. And then they did subtitles at some point. And then she totally flipped a switch at the end. It was like, don't fuck with me. And it's like, how did you clean that up? Because five seconds ago, you were slurring your words. It was uh, Chef Picasso, Chef Kiss, no notes. Amazing. And I thought the episode would have ended there. I was kind of like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna live us with leave us with like a TBD. I'm um uh, not TBD, I'm sorry, to be continued. They're gonna leave us with that. And it didn't. Then the women who are sauced at this point get on the bus. Heather is now filling every sip of the espresso martini that she had. And she's starting to like lose it, feel sick. Mary gets all riled up by Whitney. The sight, the smell, everything, the name Whitney triggers Mary. She, ha uh, she hates Whitney. She's so annoyed by her. She starts to get go after her and talk about, because she's attacking Meredith. And we know Mary and Meredith are two peas in a pod at this point because Mary is, as her Chiron says, Meredith's friend. Mary feels that Whitney doesn't own the things that she does. 
And um, she feels like Whitney has said bad things about her and her family. And then Mary's like, <laughs> was Mary drinking? Cry. I don't know if Mary was drinking or not. I don't, I don't know if Mary drank. So. I just, this is who she is. <laughs> and Mary's like, you called me pornography, sweetheart. And everybody's like, what? And in my mind, I'm like, okay, what word is even similar to pornography? And she's like, <laughs> and she keeps pedophile. saying it. Yeah. And, and, and like, you're like, okay, Mary misspoke. She's going to correct it. And she keeps saying pornography, pornography. And she's trying to correct herself, but she keeps saying the same thing over or and over like again, just in a different way. Or, like, yes, no, like pornography. And then she's like, Heather, M- Mary like calls out to Heather. And in Heather's drunken state, she lifts her head up and she says, predator and puts her head back down. And I'm like, the fact Heather didn't get Heather gave us the one thing we needed and she's like clarity so so, and she says it so matter of fact as if she wasn't drunk she's like came out of the like the haze and she's like predator and puts her head back down and then the next scene she's throwing up in a plastic bag why they they close the door so we didn't see her throwing up and then Whitney's like being on the door like get me out of here because you just hear her just losing it because she's still mic'd up throwing up and Bravo did not have to do this but they actually showed the throw up they really did I didn't need to see it we didn't need all that we had enough Uh, we didn't uh, yes we got the gist of what was going down Um, that was I'm crying. That was so funny. <laughs> From Mary, yes, the pornography line and Heather just fully unconscious to so like popping in for one second of consciousness to like let us know what, what Mary was referring to. It was hilarious. And I just felt for the sprinter van driver <laughs> as she was like letting them all out and seeing like, oh, my poor sprinter van. Like her face and her <laughs> disgust was so funny when she closes her. And yes, Whitney banging. That was honestly, I couldn't have asked for anything better on a Tuesday night. Amazing. And I'm sure that more went down at the house after. Um, I'm also going to assume that that woman will not be their driver for the rest of the trip. I would I'm be embarrassed if she was my, I would not want to see that woman again. I would be so embarrassed. They need to get her a new van, pay her three times over whatever she was making, and also release her from having to provide um, services, her, her for, services <laughs> for the rest of the trip. Oh my gosh, one of the best episodes I've seen in such a long time. Um, amazing. Salt Lake City is back in full effect. Um, and so am I back on Morally Corrupt. Happy to be back. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a jam-packed episode. We gave you so much only because Bravo is giving us so much. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Have a good weekend. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.